Welcome to SciTech Culture with Steve Kern and Ben Warner, where we examine science, technology, and culture in the 21st century. Visit our website at SciTechCulture.com. It's the number 300. We've finally arrived. 300 Ooh. episodes. Steve, congratulations. We've got we've cracked three tons there. <laughs> of, Thanks, Ben. It's, it's exciting and it's amazing. Uh, never would have actually thought we would have got here, but we did, I guess. That's what happens. We'll get into like YouTuber stress and quitting in a moment, but um, we thankfully we uh, we designed this whole thing so that um, uh, we uh, obviously would keep an even keel on things and uh, you know not stress out too much. That's it. It's all about longevity. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But before we get to that, um, the um, there's two two topics uh, that we're going to bundle together about um, about the space program, really. And um, at the moment, we've got like um, we've talked before about um, you know the sort of transition to private corporations kind of going um, uh, going into space. But um, there's a renewed interest in governments now um, actually going into space, and the latest story being. Uh, Japan's moon sniper robotic explorer landing on the lunar surface, but um, they encountered a bit of an issue with um, uh, not pow- not 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 being powered, and they're having to um, uh, well the solar cell on it is not generating electricity basically, so they're going to have to look at what they're doing there to um, see if it can keep going. But um, it, it makes it interesting that um, what uh, um, uh, it's like echoes of. Um, 20th century anyway because um there's kind of a sense that um not that a cold war is restarting but um there's definitely some um competition going on um and a sense that um governments need to be more invested in going back to the moon because you know they might have to start thinking about what happens if you know more of us are there and as soon as humans get involved in the equation you know they're going to draw up fences and um you know rights and all this sort of all this sort of stuff so um it's interesting that um you know it's a good thing that you know they're going back but at the same time it's like um there's you know a bit of a caveat on top of it in terms of the implications yeah well it's the 21st century space race isn't it Uh, after deciding that no one wanted to go to the moon for 50 years now everyone wants to go I think the most amazing thing uh, is what the Japanese are landing on the moon just reminds us all is that it ain't easy. And how amazing was it then that they could do it in 1969? I mean, you know, like, but I guess that was all manual. So the obviously the Japanese land are heavily automated. And as I understand it, the way it's landed, its uh, panels aren't, aligned to where the sun currently is in the moon's uh, horizon. This will probably change over the next month. So if that might mean then that the uh, the um, lander will power up. But as I understand it anyway, it's already completed, you know, over 95% of, of the mission just in getting down there. So very exciting. Yeah, who knows what will happen. Maybe it'll be like Antarctica where once somebody shows up, everyone has to show up and uh, claim their little piece of territory up on the moon. Not that there's going to be any sovereignty or nations or anything there, but I'm sure you'll be able to have your own patch 
with a lovely view of outer space. Mm, absolutely. Um, and just to uh, dovetail nicely into this, um, I've been watching um, the show For All Mankind. I've actually finally caught up with it. It did start four or five years ago, but um, I'm, I'm almost at the end of all the of season four, which is the current season. Apparently, there's a couple of more seasons coming out. And I think it's a nice um, sort of, um, uh, you know, symbiotic, not symbiotic, but a connection to what that particular story because... Um, for all mankind obviously strongly encourage everyone to watch it because um, it's uh, a show that really honors the space program and these types of things like this exact scenario is something you'd probably see in the show for instance um, and how it works but obviously there's um, because the concept of it is like an alternative history um, the Soviets get to the moon first and this leads to a situation where the space race never ends so you know by the 2000s they're already going to Mars and all that sort of stuff because of competition and whatnot. so um, and it's an interesting thing to watch but um, the show itself and this is the reason why I like it is that it actually um, puts in historical events that we are aware of but puts it through a different filter um, you know through a different character or a different historical character or whatever and the same event occurs um, and it does like, little tricky things like that. So in addition to being like a, a really good um, sort of uh, space program show that um, highlights what NASA did and what all of the um, all countries have done to uh, contribute to the space program, it also has this kind of strong historical connection that um, would then make you want to actually go back and have a look at the history, which is quite interesting. Oh, a- absolutely. I mean... I- this is where, you know, these sort of alternate historical perspectives or, in fact, futuristic perspectives can be really, really interesting because they test our understanding of what happened and what could have been if, if things were so different. I mean, the Viking missions to Mars in 1976 purely came out of the, the moon program, but the reason that nothing was really continued past that is because without the competition in the Cold War, there was, wasn't seemed to be any reason or any imperative on the American side, and these things fall away. Of course, uh, if we're, if we're going to talk about films that might uh, really put people in the picture, I still think First Man with Ryan Gosling is a, a, an incredible film, and uh, that would at least set the scene for, for all of mankind and imagining what might happen after. Because the feat of engineering to get there in 69 is unbelievable. And the fact that a man could land on the moon better than a computer today, well, that says a lot too. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So I encourage you all to go and uh, go and watch those. Um, uh, highly recommended. All right, so um, we alluded this to the beginning and uh, we've got to talk about it. Um, you know, people talking about talking about quitting YouTube. Um, that's what we're going to talk about now. I love, I love little rabbit holes like that. Um, you know, just... Um, this sort of trend uh, of um, YouTubers that have been around for about 12, 15 years and uh, I think they've just kind of had it um, and uh, they're broadcasting it um, to people and I just find it interesting that it's become a trend so, you know, maybe one did it and then all of a sudden there's like 20 that have done it. Um, We're not quitting YouTube but uh, we're not actually sort of all in in that respect. Um, You know, we're doing a podcast and it just happens to have a video attached so why not chuck it up on YouTube? So, and I kind of, kind of understand where it's going. Obviously, we watched, um, uh, what well, I picked out two videos, um, one from Marquez Brownlee's 
probably the top tech YouTuber. Another one's uh, Shelby Church, who I have no idea who she was, but um, the algorithm suggested her to me. Um, given this was about the topic, I have no idea what um, she does, but um, I probably should have a look. But um, I thought both of them actually summarized it all, um, you know, pretty succinctly. So, you know, go check out their videos on it. But, um, you know, what I wanted to sort of touch on was um, it's, you know, they're broadcasting something that, you know, could potentially happen in so many other professions. It's just that that doesn't actually come up. You know, you don't actually hear about it because, you know, people are either quiet or they keep it to themselves. Or um, if you think of like, um, you know, maybe an analogy of a professional athlete, which is something Mark has kind of referred to, you know, like um, they kind of get to a certain age and they're done. And But whereas, you know, they're not going to produce a 20 minute video about how they were traumatized by the whole thing um and uh that they need to you know find the find themselves again etc and uh, like none of um you know not that i want <laughs> to be too harsh on them or anything but it's not a, um i can I, I totally understand where they might be coming from if they're completely wrapped up in um youtube world and that's all they do and think about and i can understand that if you want to get to the top you probably might have to do that especially now um that um, it might be a bit too much and um you know you've got to you know wake up and smell the roses so to speak um if you actually you know want to stay sane kind of thing but i just you know it's like everything that happens in social media these days it's like one does it then it becomes a trend and then everyone does it and um i just um i don't know i don't think i would be i would i don't think i'd even feel comfortable necessarily you know um doing something like that i would probably just pull the plug but that's just me well, that that's right, Ben. And and these guys are YouTubers that devote their lives twenty four seven to what they're doing. And exactly what you said, you know, it's it's long, it's hard, it's tiring, you know. But then, hey, I've got an idea for some new content. I'm going to quit, and then I need a story about why I'm going to quit, and then that becomes a trend. And everyone says, well, actually, I am sick of this YouTube thing. I've made my money. I'm retiring. That's it. <laughs> But, you know, no one questions an athlete when they retire. They go, oh, yeah, obviously their body's given out. And, uh, you know, even the, the person in their 60s who retires, no, nobody, you know, goes, well, well, they don't make statements saying, oh, I've given everything I can to work, I'm cooked now. Like, you know, they just go. So I think uh, what we're seeing here is something that's very natural, but it's also caught up in the, in the, in the whole I guess, sphere of content creation because for those YouTubers who are retiring and, and let's, you know, give them credit, they, they make their life 24-7 uh, and they're there and, uh, you know, this is just an extension of their lives. So emotionally, if it's time to go, they're going to share it with us. It's more content. It just keeps keeps the wheels turning for a little bit more until they finally just hit the off button. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I guess maybe to be fair, um, this is a new job slash career, if you want to call it that. Um, you know, it didn't by and large exist prior to, I mean, even like YouTube, I think really started to kick off in 2006, I think. Um, but it didn't really become the YouTube we know it today until several years later. Um, and, um, you know, so, and all of these, um, people would have, uh, you know, started in their teens, um, potentially, um, and they wouldn't have known anything else. And they struck gold with, um, you know, getting, um, getting in first and getting the views, etc. And even the ones that are coming through today, like they're starting very young and then they like 
you know, I, I can imagine there'd be a scenario where they would just wouldn't know anything else. And from that perspective, I can understand why they, um, you know, would have this kind of a reaction uh, because um, it's lo- almost like getting sucked into the vortex <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they haven't seen anything else. Well, that's it. it. It certainly doesn't stop, not when you're a top YouTuber, you know, and I think that's, you know, as we were saying before the show, that's that's how we get to 300, very slowly, one step at a time and uh, not probably creating our whole lives around this and, and that's that's the big difference. They make it to the top because of their commitment to uh, what they're doing and uh, their content and their audiences and that's uh, something that should be uh, respected. Uh, that they're certainly rewarded, I think, well for what they do. And as far as I'm concerned, if they want to call it quits after 10 or 15 years, why not? <laughs> They've done the hard yards. One thing I did want to touch on was, I think it was in the Shelby Church video, she touched on this whole thing about the algorithm and how it can, t- in effect, turn on you in a way. Um, it does. You're not necessarily guaranteed that if you put up a video that you're automatically going to get a million views because your last 100 got a million views and i can imagine that um if that was um starting to become a point of um you know a question around um a revenue stream particularly if um you're a youtuber has set up a studio you've you've employed a few people and you're relying on income to come in um in a uh, fairly predictable manner um it's not really a platform um that lends itself to that and then you got you you know she was talking about you know going onto other platforms as well to you know sort of spread the the risk around so that you know if one does underperforms then uh you know another one can sort of pick it up but i can imagine that there would be a level of uncertainty there that might be like extremely uncomfortable and could play on your mental health really about um about how that would work because you might not know week to week whether or not you can keep going oh totally agree i mean you know we're not talking about ordinary people doing this as a hobby. We're talking about businesses and a business where uh, you're all of the business. Your face, your likeness, the content you create, everything. is is It all comes from you. You're putting it together. You're investing large sums of money uh, to, to maintain your position in the market. Uh, and so, yeah, exactly. Like uh, I'm sure there can be some very stressful times and, of course, the thing about so the socials generally is we only see the winners. <laughs> no one who loses gets pushed to the top. Like so, uh, you know, if you crash and burn, you'll just be buried by the algorithm, and no one will even know what happened to you. So, right. I, I guess if there's an upside to this, at least these guys are on top and saying, "See you later, I'm done." Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And I guess the final point I wanted to make on this is that, um, and this is like time and memorial concept really, but, um, you know, we all have uh, dreams, I guess, um, of potentially, or I guess a lot of us would about what um, we might want to do with our lives, um, you know, what would the nature of our dream career would be, etc. And I think there's like an assumption that, um, you know, you're going to do what you love, so it's not going to feel like work. But the reality is that, that dream career is going to turn into a dream job if it actually takes off and a job is a job um so there's going to be components of it that once you become successful are going to be things you don't want to deal with that are going to start distracting you from the the reasons you got into it in the first place and if you're not ready for that and if you're not um willing to deal with that 
that's when you're going to start having problems and realize that, um, you know, maybe the whole, uh, I don't know, societal rhetoric around that kind of thing um, is misleading. Exactly. Yeah, but once again, as I say, that that's what happens to you when it comes back and it's all about you. And that's one of the few things or one of the unique things about being a YouTuber or a typical YouTuber is that it is all about you. You're the face of the business. Any other business will tell you not to make a business around yourself because if anything happens to you or you've had enough, you can't go because you are the business. And that's what's happened to these YouTubers. And, you know, of course, they're, they're really at the forefront of the, of the social revolution. You know, they've been there from the evolution of it right through so you know if they're the first wave and they're checking out now as we say i mean that's perfectly understandable but you know they probably wouldn't have realized where fronting their own videos and being their own brand would take them <laughs> so you know uh, i think there's a lesson in that for a, for everyone who wants to be a youtuber in the future that uh you know if there's a way you know to to produce that content that doesn't rely on your likeness and image and your and your brand, your own personal brand to sell. Uh, that's probably the way to, to get the longevity if if that's the sort of uh, field that you really love. And I guess <clears throat> we'll just have to wait and see whether um these people that are quitting are actually quitting or if they come back twelve months later, um, feeling refreshed and ready to go again. To be honest, I don't think it's much different to the music industry. They'll come back with solo albums <laughs> six months later. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so we'll uh, we'll wrap it up there. And uh, just uh, one final shout-out again for all mankind and, and your recommendation there, Steve, of First Man. Got to love shows that do um that do the space program justice. Um, so you've got to get out there and watch them or watch them at home, obviously, if, um, in the case of For All Mankind, given uh, that it's uh, it's a streamer. Although First Man, I think, is on a streamer as well, I think. So. Oh, it is now, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, definitely, uh, we're, uh, I'm, I'm, I think I'll just have to boot it up before I get editing this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's uh, episode 300. Hopefully, we'll get another 300 more. Um, and that's it for this episode, and we'll catch you next time.